Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Bron, and we're just two best friends who want to learn about Australian film. Bron is an arts producer, so she knows a lot about site-specific cross-disciplinary emerging and immersive experiential performance in large-scale festival contexts, and nothing about Liam Hemsworth. And Charlotte's an actress who once played girl at party hitting on Liam Hemsworth, but gets nervous at real parties that someone's going to find out she's never seen Citizen Kane. Together, we want to make great new Australian films, but we've realised we don't know anywhere near enough about the great existing Australian films. Because I've been too busy figuring out where to source 10,000 biodegradable kazoos. And I've been more worried about my skincare routine than my craft. So, in this podcast, we're going to be watching as many great Australian films as we can find. And even when they're not great, we're going to find something great about them. That's right. We're going to be putting our toxic positivity to good use. Finally. Every week, we'll be joined by a special guest to talk about their favourite Australian film. And we're ready to soak up all there is to know about what makes a film beloved. Welcome Welcome to At At The The Movies Movies with Charlotte and Bron. I think that went really well. (laughs) 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 Louie! No Which is how long we've known each other for. We've known each other longer now. <laughs> anyway, we've we've lived a, we've lived some lives. Mm, we got through mm, our mm. terrible twenties. What they call it? The yeah, roaring twenties. The roaring twenties. And I uh, now work in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it is. A, it's a little. It's bit a little funny. Bit funny. It's a little bit funny. It's a bit funny. And I work in the arts. Um, but we want to work together. More and more. We want to make movies, basically. Anyone uh, anyone who's listening, let If us. anyone wants to let us make a movie, please do. We'd love to. Thank you. And this podcast was kind of born out of us realising we kind of needed to educate us. Well, I feel like I need to educate myself. <laughs> I think you, so you know nothing about pop culture, but you yeah. are pretty good at doing your homework. Maybe that's it. Like, I'm bad. I don't feel like I'm very good at knowing what is in the zeitgeist. Yes. But I do like to watch a film. Mm. And I am uh, perpetually on de moi. And mm. watching a film, <laughs> embarrassingly for me, does feel like homework. <laughs> I would like to talk about the movie that, we're, uh, that we watched this week. We decided to choose this movie because it seemed appropriate that the very first episode of a podcast about Australian film, we would watch a movie called Australia. Mm. made by one of our most illustrious uh, filmmakers, mm. right? Um, and also in the also future... because probably no one's going to pick it as their favourite film. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bess. Yeah, when we have guests, <laughs> we doubt that anyone's going to pick Australia. So, but... but, but They can if they, they want. They can if they want, and we'll talk about it again. Mm. And that's not to say that there isn't a lot here to learn as budding young filmmakers. Oh, no. It's a fertile ground. It's fertile ground. It's fertile ground. And I will also say that this is my segue. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I do feel like my experience of this film was a really um, accurate representation of my 
um, relationship with watching film in general, which is I told you so many times over the last week that I was about to watch it. Mm. And what I did was I started watching it at like nine o'clock last night. It's too late. <laughs> I did not look at the runtime. It's a long film. <laughs> I partook in some substances. Oh, no. And um, there, there is a point in the middle of the film where, spoiler alert, they like, final they they like the first half of the film they're droving these cattle to a spot and there's a there's a moment where they climactically get the cattle on the right boat on time and it's like we won and me and my husband were so sure that that was that was the end of the movie that I made a joke like oh I bet that like we're only like two-thirds of the way through and we checked and we were halfway through and Baden was like I've taken my sleeping pill (laughs) (laughs) we're surely we're wrapping up I did try to keep watching because I knew we were recording today but I fell asleep on the couch okay so she hasn't watched the movie hold on (laughs) hold on I would never let you down so I had to go to the gym this morning but I woke up early to try to watch the rest of it first thing this morning. You really are making this like homework. Well, but then (laughs) we realized the traffic was really bad. For some reason, we go to a gym across town. Anyway, so I couldn't finish it in bed in the morning. You watched it on your phone. I watched it on on my phone in the car on the way here. The cinematic experience of Baz Luhrmann intended. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So it's not a great start. (laughs) Really, like, crawling to the finish line. But I did finish it. Good. And I'm so proud. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know. Do you want to, um, for the for our listeners, maybe just do a quick synopsis of the plot? Oh, quick. Can I? Yeah. Go. Try. Hot, the hot hits of the film. Yeah. Go. Go um, ahead. It's 1939 Australia. Ch- oh, what happens? She comes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you remember the year. That's good. Yeah, it's 1939. She comes. She comes. So uh, this woman from our Nicole. Our Nicole. Um, her husband's living in Australia, Outback Australia, as a drover. She comes over. I don't remember why. It's so long ago. <laughs> it's it's so ago. like so much happened. <laughs> it's so it's, no. She comes because no. Why do, why does she come? Yeah, I don't know. She's she's like I need to see my husband. She's she, like, she puts her foot down. She's cross. Yeah, she is. And there's a bit where she leaps on the horse in Britain to sort of show that she can ride a horse. In yeah, that's important. Of the movie. And it's she's important. A feminist. <laughs> she's a feminist. She's got feelings. She's got emotions. She gets and on she a can big, ride a horse. She takes ages for her to get to Australia. She gets there. She um, immediately meets our other heroic um, actor, our Hugh. Oh, you, what do you call that? <laughs> Protagonist. Lead. Yeah, beautiful. Um, See, this stuff I know. Mm, nice. Um, you know, he's he's rambunctious. We know that from the get. Um, and he has to take her to sit to her house in Faraway Downs, this beautiful rolling, you know, yes. thing. Um, this is way too much detail. I was about to say forever. that. I was about to say that, but I also want to hear you. <laughs> Describe the film scene by scene. It's too much. <laughs> like it's a lot. You're really going it's scene by scene. Much. And then he says, I'm the drover. And she's like, you're the drover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her undies are flying everywhere. <laughs> and he looks at her undies and she goes, oh. Oh, that is a good scene. That is she does good some scene. good acting. I'd love to get into <laughs> I'd really love to get into Anna Nicole's performance in this film. I will 
to. We can. No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. Okay. We've yeah. got it. Just synopsis. Okay. Synopsis. Anyway, she's there. She realizes someone's stealing her cattle. She has to like bring everyone together on faraway down. Her, her husband's, husband's dead. dead. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a big, you know, they all have to join team and like get their cattle back from the bad guy of the film. That's who's right. Saying, I can't remember, but he's naughty. He's Wenham. Uh, Oh yeah, no, no, but it's not Wenham that's taking it at the beginning. But he's the it's, ultimate bad. It's our, it's Brian he, Brown. Yeah, yeah, Brian it's Brown. Our Brian, Big, Brown. our Brian Brown. <laughs> he is our Brian. So Brown. everyone in this film is ours because it's an Australian film. There's a lot of Australian yeah, actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. We're going to yeah. be saying that We're a lot saying on that this lot. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Brown really is like the big boss baddie of Australian film. Yeah, and I would not wish for any other. No, I have a Brian Brown story. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> Forget the synopsis. I want to hear the Brian Brown story. Um, tangent. Um, so one time I was younger. One time I went over to a person's house for a sexy sleepover. And Brian Brown? No. In my dream. Imagine. Um, the bad boy of Australian cinema. <laughs> yeah, in Brunswick, sure. Um, it was a booty call. Uh-huh. I turned up. Everyone had been on substances. That's fine. Of course. Um, it's Brunswick. It's Brunswick. We proceeded to go to the bedroom where this person showed me for a long time the different colours all their lights could be in their bedroom. Wow. And when I got tired of that, they were like, let's put on a movie. I should look up what the movie is. I can't remember it's what a, it is. It was but a Brian got Sam Brown. Neil and Brian Brown in it as the leads. This person spent the whole time watching this movie. Um, I was over there thinking that it was going to get flirty, and instead we sat up in bed and watched this movie. And the whole time he just kept going, "God, Brian Brown's hot. Oh God, he's like he I can mean, do anything without being like, oh." And they're not wrong. They're not wrong, but I. <laughs> You're not a Brian Brown type. No, I don't look like Brian Brown. No, no. no. <laughs> so I can imagine you sitting there and being like, maybe I've misread this whole situation. If Brian Brown's what you're into. It felt like this movie was this person's porn. I can't not think of, whenever I think of Brian Brown, I'm transported back to that dude lying next to me being like, God damn. <laughs> so anyway, uh, hot Brian Brown. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. But not the ultimate But not bad the guy. ultimate bad guy. It's David Wenham. He's stealing cattle. They get it back. It's triumphant. That's where you think the first movie ends. Also, you're leaving out a fairly important plot point, which is that there's a kid. Oh, yeah. Look, I haven't done a good job of introducing <laughs> all the characters. There's this indigenous kid that is sort of narrating the story and being like, stories are important. Um... Which they are. The whole film is like, it's about stories. It's about stories. It's, all about it's always about stories. stories. And so he is like a happy-go-lucky kid and his mom in the film dies very unceremoniously in a water tank early on, mm. which does seem to pave the way for Nicole Kidman to be his mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but that is what happens in the movie. Yeah. I'm just the messenger. Anyway, so he goes with them and they uh and 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 Nicole Kidman comforts him over the death of his mother by singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow oh, to him. Yeah. Another tangent. Is this how this podcast is going to go? Probably. Maybe in the future we should write a synopsis. Yeah, we're bouncing around. We're bouncing around a little. That's okay. 
<laughs> we want you to feel like you're at brunch with us. But you know? also, it is somewhat what this watching this movie feels like. It does feel that way. There's a lot in it, and there's and I'm, it has no it has it has no respect for time. No, like time comes and goes. <laughs> no, it's a three hour long film, and I couldn't tell you if it's set over ten years or a week. So instead of three years. How do you know that? Because it starts in 1939, it ends in World War II. Like, no, it, I must have slept through that okay. game. <laughs> <laughs> it's some really big historic things that happen at the end of this film. <laughs> yes. The bombing. <laughs> the stuff that I watched on my phone. True, 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 true. <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, they, they do the, the cattle thing. They yeah. win. Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman share the weirdest on-screen kiss I've ever mm. seen in my life. They go home to Watership Down. Far away down. Far away down. <laughs> Time passes. They like, yeah, then there's this funny montage of them just like being a happy family. He's out droving. She's making house, you know. Yeah. They've got their kids. It's about Australia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Darwin gets bombed by Japan and everyone maybe is dead, but then in the end only um, the black characters are dead okay, and the white characters. Okay, now who's jumping over here? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously this is the bit you vaguely watched. <laughs> but not wrong. Absolutely not wrong. Um, here's what I will say about this movie. Please. Firstly, when we switched it on yesterday – Last night, too late in the evening. Mm. Almost immediately, I firstly, Baden, my husband, was like, wait, I love this. This is really fun. Mm. Which I do think that the start of the movie is really fun. But secondly, I was like, oh, that's right. It's a Baz Luhrmann film. And I think I forgot that it was a Baz Luhrmann film. And I forgot what a Baz Luhrmann film is. And there is like a certain exhilaration that comes with his movies. I think think you have to have your Baz Luhrmann goggles on for this movie. Because he does make like operas and the characters are big. And I think in other movies that he's made, that works so well. To set it in Australia and try and have it historically kind of alluding to some real things, I think, is why it feels like a funny... The thing that I thought about watching this film was it's hard to make a historically accurate film about Australia when Australia as a country has not really reckoned with the historical accuracies of its past. Yes, and I was trying to understand where I felt... You couldn't make a film about Australia without acknowledging First Nations people and the histories. I think Baz Luhrmann tries to weave it in. And when I and I wrote in my notes, was this progressive for 2008? I read a thing that was like, by making the narrator of the film the young Aboriginal boy, they're like, that is for the left-leaning people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Is it? Is it? Um, I mean, look, I think ultimately it just wraps everything up with such a neat little bow. Like at the end, it's just like, and then we said sorry and we're fine. Yes, yes. Like that was bad. And then they went back out into country and Mm. we didn't stop them. Yeah. And everybody lived harmoniously side by side forever. Yeah. And also the big bad guys were not the white guys that were threatening us throughout the film and had names they were unnamed asian people oh my god the asian 
uh, <laughs> representation <laughs> this film is. Not great. Do you, would you want to know good. what the cook's name was? Mr. Sing Song? Mr. Sing Song, yes. I have that in my notes. Yeah. I say, fuck me, Mr. Sing Song <laughs> is just a note I have. <laughs> yeah, should we look at our notes? My very first note says, ooh, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note that just says, it's really horny. Oh, yeah, truly. Like, I do, I think that the other thing that I found interesting about the film was the way that it tonally sw- it, there were some violent swings from like rom-com to war epic yes or like yeah like it was like we're watching nicole our nicole and our hugh like have this i mean i think that their chemistry was good i think that was something i like i have in the like pros of this movie i was like i genuinely like them as a couple i think they have good chemistry i believe their pashas yes although come on those pashas were weird they were weird but like i didn't hate them i mean in a way maybe that was one thing that i did love about it like the pashas the pashas were weird <laughs> like <laughs> and i'm all for like put a weird passion in a movie like they were weird enough that i was like this feels real like like they the way hot. the way that they their first kiss was just them leaning into each other and then their lips colliding but not moving but their faces were moving so it was like they were moving their faces so that their lips would move around yeah. each other's lips but they were not like using their lips to kiss I does that not, make sense yeah i know what you mean cuz that's I can what that see kiss you, was but um i would have to go and rewatch we we should <laughs> because that kiss was weird. And then they kiss the same way again later in the film. Like, Who do you think that is? Do you think that's how Nicole kisses? She does look like she's had a bit of Botox. I think it's Baz. You think Baz has directed them to not move their mouths yes. but move their faces? Yes. As an actress, Charlotte, <laughs> um, do you get a lot of kissing direction or do you just get like, are you just free fall? The truth is I wish that I would get more kissing direction than you often do. They're just like, go for it. They, It's like, I do think that often directors are nervous to tell you what to do in any kind of sexual scene mm. beca- for obvious reasons. Mm. And what that ends up meaning is that you're kind of left out there alone. Like, does this look like, good? In every other aspect of my performance, you're going to kind of give me some guidance. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, But this kiss was such a deliberately strange kiss that I do think that Baz Luhrmann was like, hey. Do it like this. Don't move your mouths. Huh. See what happens if you kiss without moving your mouths. Okay, so that's one vote for Baz Direction. That's one vote for Botox. We're going to dig into this. I would like to know. I don't know who we write to about this to find out. Someone. Someone will know. But their performances, we should talk about Al Nicole. I have written Al Nicole in capitals a couple of times throughout the notes, which is unhelpful now. Obviously, she was doing something I liked enough for me to exclaim, Al Nicole! But, like, I haven't acknowledged. I've written a bunch of times Nicole's performance. (laughs) (laughs) This is good learning for us. But I do think it's interesting because I used to not be a Nicole Kidman fan. And then I think I jumped on the bandwagon with everyone else um after the first season of big little lies and then since then have retroactively decided that i like her previous performances and i think that maybe what it is is it's like 
she's always been doing something pretty weird. Yeah, she's unusual. Like, very campy. You've obviously never seen BMX Bandits. No, obviously I haven't put that one on the list. No, it's on the list. Mm. <laughs> Who are we going to get this gonna... If you've seen her movies when she's really young, it's hard not to love her because you're like, oh my God. Look at you go. Look at you I go. I mean, I, I watched Practical Magic for the first time the other day. Nice. And, and yeah, I was like, God, she's just got something. And... Mm. She also seems to be, and I mean, I guess there's the kind of obvious version of it, like when she did The Hours and it was like, oh, this is so not what we expected, Nicole. So risky, like so, she put on a prosthetic nose. There's like the (laughs) obvious version of that risky thing. But I think that she brings an element of riskiness to every performance, including this one. Like Mm. those opening sequences... She's going for it. She's do. She's going for it the whole way in the movie. Yes. She's like, she's very beautiful in a kind of almost alien way. And she's not afraid to be like pretty weird. Yes. Agree. Mm. Agree. Mm. And I love that scene where they shoot the kangaroo. Oh, yes. Loved that. In the car. I'd love the whole movie to be that. And I love her performance in that scene. Yes. She's got those funny goggles on. She gets to be a bit comedic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She knows how ridiculous that scene is and she's like there for it. Love that. Love that. That's a great scene. I mm. do I yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> I do You're right, I'm shocked. Like the setup here is not ideal. <laughs> like how dare like, you the lamp mic stand. My You've neighbors. got a real mic stand. <laughs> I've got a microphone attached to a standing lamp. We need a sponsor or something. Really? We, yes, we need someone. <laughs> we need someone to send us money. True, 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 <laughs> so true. So that we can afford a second mic stand for this setup. That would be nice. I could have my lamp back. we got to reach out to a, co- a brand. <laughs> Who's a good brand? Who's a brand we know. love? I've been thinking for ages that I need to somehow get Remedy Kombucha to sponsor my life so that I don't have to spend $300 on it for my husband every weekend. It's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much, but we spend it is. so much money. Remedy Kombucha. Mm. <clears throat> if you're listening to this, this is just an ad for Remedy Kombucha. Yeah, really. I think it's like, important. As in not I to get people to buy Remedy. This is an ad to co- Remedy Kombucha. <laughs> Dear Remedy Kombucha. Remedy Kombucha, I don't love your product. I think it's fine. But my husband loves your product. We buy, gosh, dozens, dozens of bottles. My husband at this point is more... Um, remedy kombucha ginger flavor than he is man human man (laughs) so if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking hey i wish there are a couple of podcasting gals that that we could send many bottles of remedy kombucha to let us be the gals (laughs) she lives with a walking endorsement (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> please, please. I'll send you so many photos of my husband surrounded by bottles of Remedy Kombucha. <laughs> I will laugh at that photo shoot. Everybody wins. Okay, okay. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. I have a note that says she's in a Moulin Rouge era, which now I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she's really in a Moulin Rouge era. In comparison era. to Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge was 20, 2003, I think. Oh, wow, they were so the same. You know, I wondered if, I do feel like a lot of the shots uh, of the, the, like, establishing shots of the house with, it looks like a, it's not a windmill, but it kind of looks like it. It's like a watermill. Yeah, it's a windmill. I'm wondering, is that like a Moulin Rouge reference? 
The whole movie is a Moulin Rouge reference. What do you mean? <laughs> it's Love and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> the whole thing. That's not a reference. That's yeah, the idiot. T- it's the same. It's the same movie. You know movie. what? I do wonder if the, the whole movie is reference. Australia. Australia. <laughs> but also, Wizard of Oz? Who's Dorothy in this movie? I really hated the Wizard of Oz tie into this movie. I don't know if it was because it was like, oh, Oz, fun. Oh my god, I didn't even think that. Yeah. Now, weirdly, I like it. No! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's something here where the whole way through the movie, I was like, this isn't made for an Australian audience. This movie isn't yes. made for an Australian audience. It's made for well an international audience. And The Wizard of Oz is it's like tying. Yes, you to know what's what happening. This is. You've got an emotional connection to it as well. It's like it, watching that final scene um, in the car on the way here on my phone. <laughs> I felt this sort of level of like emotional manipulation when the kids are all singing. The, somewhere over the rainbow as they all reunite and it's like wait but didn't you just establish that these children can like sing in this beautiful like European choral way because they were like taken from their families and then forced to sing in a choir like this should yeah. this isn't like a triumphant moment but I but also that song is so emotionally weighted that it's kind of impossible not to hear children singing it and like see these beautiful big expansive like shots of a of a town that has just been bombed and not like feel something and you're right as an Australian I'm watching that and being like holy this is a weird mixture I'm feeling something but I don't know if I like it but I guess if you weren't Australian Mm. you probably wouldn't no as an as for a European or an American audience it's like tying into what was happening in your culture at the time which is that movie yes and and kind of like braiding it through this Australian film and the images of war and but also like this huge journey mm. that you kind of go on to find your family, mm. this whole uh, find your way home, find your way home, find your way home. What do we like about the movie? <laughs> well, I do aesthetically. I do think that it's pretty incredible. Like it's an epic, and he can do that. Yeah. Like our Baz, our Baz knows how to make it big. Yeah, he knows how to make it big and fun. I think it's like, mm. like that, like the color of the film, like the brightness and the brashness of it these like big sweeping shots these like you know that like classic like fast like I don't know if you call it a zoom in or whatever it is like all that stuff it's so dynamic and it's so easy to watch and I was actually in love with a lot of the characters like once you sort of take off your critical what the hell is this movie about (laughs) like there were heaps of times where like I really liked um that like the drunk accountant um character like there were lots of them where yes. i was like once Wait, you see you all know, of these characters know. he's the awakened fright man i know I yes know. yes also <laughs> also fun at oh. the end when they're like sergeant we got these kids to get on this ship and he's like load them all on we can save them all that's john jarrett of wolf creek 
Yes. So like, oh yeah, this movie is packed with cameos. Barry Otto's in there. Like in yeah, the first ten movies, yeah. it, I think that's what I mean by character. Like in the first ten minutes of the film, you just get slammed in the face with all these like great Australian yes. cameos playing like huge caricatures. Yes, and I think I found I loved that. Yes, that's I was so like, easy oh, to love. Essie Davis. Oh, like I was really enjoying the who's who. And I remember, so I shot my first like proper job the mm. girls world which was mm. a like a kids show that i shot partly in australia in 2009 and so it was really off the back of like a couple of years ago everyone worked on australia like the guy that was like our horse wrangler on that show was one of the mm. horse wranglers on australia almost everyone in the crew that you talked to had had some had had like a day on australia it was a massive production for the country's industry it was a 130 million dollar budget and i was just having a quick read before and like a million of that came from tourism western australia mm-hmm. and five hundred thousand of that came from the queensland government yes. like they and were really pouring money into it like it was going to be an ad for australia well, and it was because they tied it in with a massive tourism campaign that baz directed why don't we watch that well, we should. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you talk about it being such a who's who of Australian performers. And then the big bad guy is played by David Wenham, who I adore, mm. but is not Australian. Is he not? He's from New Zealand. Okay, I see how but, I could make that mistake. But his Australian accent in this is a lot. Does in my he opinion. always. Wow, I never knew. This is huge for me. Wait, hold on. I now I want to double check myself because what if I'm wrong? Yeah, I'm pretty because sure. he's Diver Dan and he's in Sea Change, and I just does he have a New Zealand accent? Oh no, in I'm sea wrong. Change? Oh he my god, is, thank god, he is Australian. I'm oh, wrong. I'm wrong. I'm Charlotte wrong. Nickdale. Well, this is why I need to do this podcast. He, yeah, learning, <laughs> so we don't go places and you just like misrepresent. <laughs> I'm so David sorry. <laughs> I'm, I apologize to David Wenham. I apologize to his family. Okay, so then in that case, why is his accent the way that it is? Because he's a bad guy. It's very Australian. He's a bad guy. You know what what else I thought? This is going to sound like it's me just shitting on David Wenham now, who I love. Can I Mm. just say? Put it out there. Faramir was my major crush of Lord of the Rings. I see that. I see like, that for you. I don't care. You love a sandy blonde. Yeah, I love a sandy like, there blonde. Is a, there is some brooding brunettes in but, that movie. And you will always I was like, ferret out the sandy blonde in I like room. this Faramir guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, as I was watching it, thinking if they made this movie today... David Wenham and Ben Mendelsohn would have been like switch cast. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, because Ben Mendelsohn was in an unusually good-hearted character yes. role, and I believed it. It was fine. He was nice. Hmm. I would have liked to see him be the mm. villain. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to see him. Also, Brian Brown dying off screen oh, of a man, crocodile attack. Really, this I is what like, I mean what? when I when I say that the movie had no respect for time. Not only the time it takes people to watch it, but that like some sections of the film go yes. into great detail. Like a day can last a long time, and then sometimes there's just like a whirring of a newspaper title, and years and it's like, have oh, gone Brian by. Brown's oh, Brian Brown's dead from a crocodile. Yeah, and it's just like we're sweeping through time. And I cared sometimes. about him too. Mm-mm. Yes, yeah, that's probably that's probably why I had trouble with it. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> Can I tell you some of my favourite lines? Crikey. 
Did did they say that? What? They say it so many times. It's like, oh, really? He, <laughs> I didn't notice them saying crikey. Hugh Jackman, like, says it all the time. Really? He always says crikey. And then right at the end, as, like, a cute final thing, she says crikey. Completely you missed all, missed all, of, all that. of that. Completely missed that wow. joke. I would because say it's the tagline of the film. <laughs> I, would, I would say that the tagline of the film actually is just the word drover. And any of its <laughs> permutations. Drove. I wrote one of my favorite lines. That drover, he got droven. <laughs> it's good, right? Oh, it's good. It's solid. They writing. really say drover a lot, and I, and I don't know the commitment to call Hugh Jackman's character the drover and nothing else. Mm. And on the one hand, I get it. It's like you're trying to create, he's like the Australian everyman. He doesn't have a name. Like he could be any Australian, white Australian guy that's droving. <laughs> he could be any Australian you quickly. <laughs> Just to be clear. Yeah. He. Well, no, he's a heroic, like strong man figure. The drover. And, <laughs> but I do think that it's too long of a movie for that to be his name. Yeah, we should have got. I needed his name at some point. Maybe after the first movie ended, halfway through (laughs) the the scene, the act, the first act. That was that the first act. Do you think the whole like cattle stampeding and then kind of recreating Faraway Downs? That's the first act. If that's the first act, the inciting incident is what? Oh, there's too many. He's breaking rules. Baz is breaking rules here. That's one thing that we'll say for him. Maybe Baz is the bad boy of Australian cinema. No. Welcome to At The Movies with Charlotte and Bron, where we find out who's the real bad boy of Australian cinema. <laughs> uh, another favourite line, shut your damper hole, will ya? I have that written down really? too. <laughs> God. I have, what do I say? I have Jack's bod written in capitals because there's that one scene where he's Jack. Oh, mate. Oh, Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) I named him. (laughs) That would be his name. It would be Jack. Who's Jack? Oh, my God. Is his Um, name not Jack? Look, I want to say no, but I also didn't notice anyone (laughs) saying um, cracky throughout the film. So maybe his name was Jack. No, just the drover. Yeah, I just so you've just, named, named, I've just Jack. named him Jack because I couldn't be bothered with just the drover. It's not going to work for me. I love. I do think Jack is a good name to have given him. Thank you, <laughs> Jack. <laughs> yeah, there's one scene where they're camping and he's just like washing himself down, and it is exquisite. Like the lighting, Baz. The lighting, Baz. Baz. Baz, thank you for lighting our hue. Baz knows. Um, but he's just like glistening in the water and she's sort of peeking through oh, yeah, the yeah, tent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I remember that oh, moment. God. That's good. That's a good yeah. moment. But I do have a note that's like everyone's looking through something in this movie. Mm, the People looking glass? Looking no, that's through. Different. No, it's different. It's like we're always over someone's shoulder peering through shutters or looking through someone mm. talking but we're there in front of a... There's a vase in front of them or there's like a thing in front of them. People are always obscured in this film. What do you think that's about? Intrigue. <laughs> Aesthetic intrigue. Okay. <laughs> I really thought you were going somewhere. I thought so too. But I just Well, no, no. Let's, I think that that's important. I mean, I, I wonder if it's got to do with the sort of like unknowability and like the inevitability of like 
always being kind of like an outsider in this country unless you are like First Nations. I mean, I love that as a read. <laughs> I don't know if Baz Luhrmann feels like an outsider in this country. But, um, but, but again, but again, I do think like there's so much wrong with the story, with Nulla's story and every Aboriginal character's story in the in the film it it is it disposes of these characters so easily and so predictably that I don't think you would do that now if you were making that movie now there's just no way Mm. at the same time I actually didn't realize that there was any kind of ref like I didn't know that the movie was about the stolen generations what like I I just remember the poster and seeing Big Nicole oh. and Big Hugh. You didn't remember. You know once when you watched I, it. Yes, when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed those bits. <laughs> she knows now. No, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going mm-hmm. there. And yeah. and so I suppose it's like, I'm, I certainly don't. It's not like I'm recommending this film as like, hey, if you want to learn about Australian history. Yeah. But I was surprised how much they did kind of go there and I was pretty nervous for a while about Nicole Kidman adopting Nulla Mm. like I was like oh dude like you're this is pretty like tone deaf if this is how this story ends and I thought it was good that in the end that wasn't really what happened I don't know I'm not again I'm not like they treated this subject matter well but But it could it it could yeah. have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. And maybe for the time it was very push, pushing boundaries. Yeah. For the time, I wonder if like as well, like this w- would have been the first introduction to that story for people outside of Australia. Mm. At the no, same no. time, then I'm like, is that the introduction that you want? It's very like, well, that's it. I think when you have, that's where I think this opera of history is tricky because mm-hmm. it's like the 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 operatic story, the caricatures, the mysticism, making yes. Aboriginal people sort of yes, magic, magical, yeah. I think is like, for some stories, is exciting and fine. Mm-hmm. And for this was like, it's, a bit, it's not good. It's not, if we're trying to portray, I know we're not trying to portray a historically accurate hi- Australia, but it's a tricky. But the story that you're telling here doesn't fit with that um or perhaps it's like it's actually not your place to describe this as magic. Yeah. Baz. I really struggled with them being a bit magical. A bit magical. And I also really struggled with Nala being so emotionally resilient, tragedy after tragedy, in order to not hold the plot back. Mm. Like it did feel like his mum died and then it it was immediately it was fine. fine so that Nicole could be could keep with her story and like build a connection with him and like pretty like even sometimes within scenes it would be like he would be like oh something terrible happened and then by the end of the scene he'd be like nicole look to the horizon can you see (laughs) it's like wait didn't (laughs) but i do think that brandon walters is fantastic he does a brilliant job like I, I don't know. I actually, we should look up how old he is now. In this, or then? Then. Oh, yeah. Because I think, okay, so he was born 96, and uh, this that was 2008, so I guess it was filmed in 2007. Mm-hmm. So he would have been, what is that? 10, 11? 11? 
Whoa, like, that's little. That's a young kid to be pulling off. I mean, it it is a charismatic pr- performance, mm. and he has to cover a lot of ground in this movie. It's true. Often in the space of one scene. A lot of things happen to him. A lot of massive things happen to him, and he sort of has to carry the whole heart of the film. Yeah. And sometimes I think, and I think this is really fair, like, watching child actors you're looking for the cracks in the performance do you mm, not looking mm, for them mm. but you're like hoping that there you're looking, aren't any you're looking to be like but it's just a kid right <laughs> yeah yeah or like uh, oh they're doing it performance, performance. and here's yeah, where yeah, i can yeah. see that they're doing it and i feel like simultaneously it seems to me that i mean look i don't know it seems to me that he was having a good time mm. and also i wasn't really watching a performance i feel like i was like oh yeah i believe this character and i mm. believe the story that he's on i believed his like emotional arcs even when they were really unbelievable yes, exactly <laughs> Do you know what i mean like when he kind of could smoothly smoothly transition between really extreme things that's... i was like you did a good job i believed every minute yeah, that's skill right mm. like what a what a scene for the real where he's talking to al nicole about how his mother has died and then by the end of it looking at her with love heart eyes like will you be my mummy or the scene where he's sort of like stops a really big stampeding yes <laughs> i mean yeah like there are like he like powerful moments as well he's, ha- he's like chasing he stops the stampede his best friend sort of gets trampled in front of his very eyes yeah and then he's like and then he has to collapse in the arms like a lot happens yeah he's really good he's good he's good i think look more than anything when i when it finished and i was like this is a love story Yes. This is a love story. And then in th- with that hat on, I was like, beautiful. What a beautiful To love wrap story. up, I'd love to quickly talk about the rom-comery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mills and Boone-esqueness. Rom- like, yes, mm, yes. The mm. rom-comery of it mm. was my favourite part. That's it. It's like, it's like, of all the funny threads of this really long movie. It was long. It was <laughs> Three sittings long for some. <laughs> in three separate... I watched this movie on three different screens. I watched it on my projector, I watched it on my laptop, and I watched it on my phone. And I actually highly recommend... <laughs> Just a tasting board of Australia. <laughs> um, I do think, like, that's my favourite bit of it, is the, this, like silly love story between yes. nicole whose husband just like so quickly is killed off thank goodness yes thank god just get that out of the way yeah. so they can just like they start off so angry at each other because it's all perfect course. exactly as it should be oh that drove her. That i could drove. never <laughs> um and then they so quickly you know have this like beautiful love and then I don't know. The whole yeah. thing is a wiggly It's mixture. wiggly. And there's a lot to love, but there's a lot to say hmm, hmm. about. There's there's a lot to love, but there's plenty of reasons why it might not be someone's favourite Australian, Australian film. film. And on that note, I have a question for you, Bron. Oh. What is the big lesson about film that you learnt from Baz Luhrmann's Australia? Um, going big can cover a lot of flaws just go big mm. sometimes being an epic will like pull you along make it fun make it fun make it like some of the character some of the color the character as much as this isn't my favorite movie i will always have respect mm. for baz's ability to like really aesthetize yes. in Create a way an that aesthetic, is yeah. obviously him yes i think maybe i'm learning that like 
artistic voice. Mm. Oh gosh, to have an artistic voice as distinctive as Baz Luhrmann's. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn, Charlotte? I learned. I learned that if you want an on-screen kiss to be memorable, Jesus. you got to set some limitations. <laughs> Huge, huge takeaway. <laughs> I'll always go Macron. You can go Micron. Yeah, we'll great. make a great team. Well, that's kind of our vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that was Australia. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. We, we, you know, we loved it. We loved it. And we hope that you'll join us again next episode for At The Movie. You, you oh, say I was going to jump in at the end. No, no. You, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. I'll do that at the movie. No, now I'm going to do it the whole time. Okay, okay. And we hope you'll join us next time for (laughs) At the Movies with Charlotte and Bron. Bron.